Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Schultz. Today we have part four of The Wonderful Sheep, a story that we'll see a number of tales inside of, or the archetype of a number of tales that we know very well. And now we're off to, well, a little bit of Beauty and the Beast. The young Princess Miranda has been saved, in a way, by the King of the Sheep, who is now leading her off somewhere, and we'll find out where in Part 4 of The Wonderful Sheep. At last she saw before her a great plain, quite covered with all sorts of flowers, the scent of which seemed to her nicer than anything she had ever smelt before. A broad river of orange-flower water flowed round it, and fountains of wine of every kind ran in all directions and made the prettiest little cascades and brooks. The plain was covered with the strangest trees, and there were whole avenues where partridges ready-roasted hung from every branch, or, if you preferred pheasants, quails, turkeys, or rabbits, you had only to turn to the right hand or to the left, and you were sure to find them. In places the air was darkened by showers of lobster patties, white puddings, sausages, tarts, and all sorts of sweetmeats, or with pieces of gold and silver, diamonds and pearls. This unusual kind of rain, the pleasantness of the whole world, no doubt, have attracted numbers of people to it if the king of the sheep had been of a more sociable disposition, but from all accounts it is evident that he was as grave as a judge. As it was quite the nicest time of the year when Miranda arrived in this delightful land, the only palace she saw was a long row of orange trees, jasmines, honeysuckles, and musk roses, and their interlacing branches made the prettiest rooms possible, which were hung with gold and silver gauze, and had great mirrors and candlesticks and the most beautiful pictures. The wonderful sheep begged that the princess would consider herself queen over all that she saw, and assured her that, though for some years he had been very sad and in great trouble, she had it in her power to make him forget all his grief. You are so kind and generous, noble sheep, said the princess, that I cannot thank you enough, but I must confess that all I see here seems to me so extraordinary that I don't know what to think of it. As she spoke, a band of lovely fairies came up and offered her amber baskets full of fruit. But when she held out her hands to them, they glided away, and she could feel nothing when she tried to touch them. Oh, she cried, what can they be? Whom am I with? And she began to cry. At this instant, the king of the sheep came back to her, and was so distracted to find her in tears that he could have torn his wool. What is the matter, lovely princess? he cried. Has anyone failed to treat you with due respect? Oh, no said Miranda, only I am not used to living with sprites and with sheep that talk, and everything here frightens me. It was very kind of you to bring me to this place, but I shall be even more grateful to you if you'll take me up into the world again. Do not be afraid, said the wonderful sheep. I entreat you to have patience and listen to the story of my misfortunes. I was once a king, and my kingdom was the most splendid in the world. My subjects loved me, my neighbors envied and feared me. I was respected by everyone, 
and it was said that no king ever deserved it more. I was very fond of hunting, and one day, while chasing a stag, I left my attendants far behind. Suddenly I saw the animal leap into a pool of water, and I rashly urged my horse to follow it. But before we had gone many steps I felt an extraordinary heat, instead of the coolness of the water. The pond dried up, a great gulf opened before me, out of which flames of fire shot up, and I fell helplessly to the bottom of a precipice. I gave myself up for lost, but presently a voice said, Ungrateful prince, even this fire is hardly enough to warm your cold heart. Who complains of my coldness in this dismal place? I cried. An unhappy being who loves you hopelessly, replied the voice and at the same moment the flames began to flicker and cease to burn, and I saw a fairy, whom I had known as long as I could remember, and whose ugliness had always horrified me. She was leaning upon the arm of a most beautiful young girl, who wore chains of gold on her wrists, and was evidently her slave. Why, Ragots, I said, for that was the fairy's name. What is the meaning of all this? Is it by your orders that I am here? And whose fault is it, she answered, that you never understood me until now? Must a powerful fairy like myself condescend to explain her doings to you who are no better than an ant by comparison, though you could think yourself a great king? Call me what you like, I said impatiently. But what is it that you want, my crown or my cities or my treasures? Treasures, said the fairy disdainfully. If I chose, I could make any one of my scullions richer and more powerful than you. I do not want your treasures. But, she added softly, if you will give me your heart, if you will marry me, I will add twenty kingdoms to the one you have already. You shall have a hundred castles full of gold and five hundred full of silver, and in short, anything you like to ask me for. And... That is where we'll pause for now. Yes, it is in the middle of this speech and this confrontation between the king who will become the king of the sheep and Regat, the fairy that, well, loved him. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on threads and Instagram at Folktale Project, and you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>